thought these are the thoughts that go on in my head. <laughs> Have I corrupted you or do you think this was always there? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Main Dish Podcast. I'm Miley. And Mandy. And we are your co-hosts this week and every week that you're with us. I was like, not new every single time. <laughs> yeah, no. What's new and good in your exciting life? Well, funny that you say exciting. That's like your word of the day, even though, I mean, your demeanor would um, tell people otherwise. And that's why this is not on video. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, her voice is exciting. But um, yes. so no. being uh, recording and doing stuff for the podcast is always exciting to me, no matter if I've had a bad day or or if I'm in a bad mood, it's still always exciting to be doing. I like work. to think part of that is my energy that I bring. Yeah, it is. Yeah, thanks. I'll pat myself on the back. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll do it for you right now. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's funny that you use the word exciting because. The Suns are in the Western Conference finals. Yeah. Yes, that's the word. I mm -hmm. almost said playoffs, but I guess it's the same it thing. It is. Oh, no. It is the playoffs. The whole thing is the playoffs, yeah. but we're in the Western Conference Correct. finals, which we yes. may have mentioned last week because I think we were kind of waiting for the Jazz and the Clippers to finish their series. Mm -hmm. But anyways, oh, my gosh. Game two, if anybody isn't into the NBA, was just, I just got to share that this was a ridiculous thing that happened to me game two. So I don't have cable. I'm not watching it. I don't go out to the bars. Cause like, I'm just doing other shit. So, but I'm keeping track of the score, like either on my phone or I'm asking Alexa every 30 minutes, oh, like what's the score. Oh, wow. okay. uh -huh. So I knew it was about the end of the game mm -hmm. game two. And I'm like, Alexa, what's the score? And she tells me the Clippers are up by one. And there's like, I don't know, a second and something left, which is a long time in basketball. You yeah. can easily hit the ball to the core, mm -hmm. throw it, pass it. I mean, a lot, a lot of stuff can happen in like three seconds. So yeah. Clippers are up by one. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm refreshing. I'm refreshing. I'm refreshing. Trying to watch a few minutes later. The score hasn't changed. Must have been a timeout. So um, Alexa, what is the score? Clippers are up by one at the end of the fourth quarter. I'm like, well, that's weird. She didn't say final, final score, yeah. but my phone said 0 0.03 seconds or something oh, crazy. Okay. Mm -hmm. 0.3. Maybe it's a 0.3. And she was like, they're up by one at the end of the fourth. I was like, fuck, we lost. I was so mad because we've been winning and winning and winning. And I get in the car to come to work the next morning. And the radio was like, can you believe that son's game? I forget. I don't remember who it was who threw in. Apparently we got the ball with like 0 0.3, 0 .3 seconds, seconds and hit it. Nice. And won Go it. Oh, sons. Seriously. I, yeah. I like lost my mind. I could not believe it. So anyways, we are currently up two to nothing to the Clippers. I mean, I finished Bridgerton, the eight books. We knew this. Tell us more. We know this. Um, they're done. I'm done. I have a prequel to read, but I'm not super excited to get into it. Um, I'm on a new old show. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tell me more. What? Happy endings. I oh, cannot. You know, I've seen one episode. Have you? I think it was on ABC or something mm -hmm. back in the day. I had a roommate who used to watch it, Annette, and I probably saw some of it back in the day. For but it's this show's like ten years old. For whatever reason, I never watched it. But I don't know. I've been on the spin bike more, so I've decided I just turn on kind of a DIY freestyle ride, and I've been watching an episode or two, or sometimes three, on my iPad while I'm on the bike. And cause I'm just not always hitting the bike at 
good times to do live rides. Yeah. Um, so I've been watching a couple episodes of happy endings almost every day. And I'm just addicted to that uh, show now. Well, then there you go. The, our listeners check out happy endings. If you have yeah. not checked it out or if you have checked it out, rewatch it. Yeah, it's cute. It's quirky. I mean, it. Uh, uh, some of the language in it, because it's 10 years old, some of the language in it doesn't quite hold up. Like the gay character constantly says things like, oh, that is so gay. <laughs> and I'm all, oh, that doesn't really hold mm. up today. But um, it's a really cute show. I mean, Damon Wayans Jr. is in it. Eliza, what's her name? Eliza, Eliza Manel? No, it's not a <laughs> Disney musical. <laughs> is that hers the name that John Travolta completely butchered. I don't know. I don't know. Eliza Coop, I think is her name. And then Alicia Cuthbert and Damon Wayans Jr. I don't know. There's a lot of faces you'd recognize in it, but it's super cute, super quirky, kind of like new girl quirky, um, but not quite as out there as new girl. But I really, uh, I really like Eliza Coop's and, and Damon Wayne Jr.'s couple dynamic on the show. They're really funny. I feel like they're the stars of the show for me. But yeah. Are you, are you not watching the uh, Pen15 anymore? I got away from it for a minute, waiting for season two to come onto Hulu. Oh, and now okay. it's there and I just haven't gone back. Oh, you know, I had a patient yesterday. I don't think this is a HIPAA violation, but well, if you don't say their name and date of birth, <laughs> oh, can I just say their first name? Okay. Or you can make one up, but actually it's part of the story. Part of sure. The story. Go for it. So I look at the You're schedule. You're an eye doctor. You had a patient yes, whose exactly. name is. I look at the schedule and the patient's name is D-E-N-I-S. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, is it Dennis or Dennis? Because <laughs> I'm like, it, I look or at Denise. it. Or Denise. But like, I was like, I look at it and all I can see is penis. <laughs> <laughs> and then it reminded me of Pen15. <laughs> this is the thought. These are the thoughts that go on in my head. <laughs> Do, have I corrupted you or do you think this was always there? <laughs> no, I just, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to tell at this I point. <laughs> have you calmed me down and have I corrupted you? Like, are have we, I calmed you? I, I, no. are we mutually responsible <laughs> for tempering and oh, yeah, doing things to the uh, other person? I, I do know that I curse more when I'm around you. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, I didn't say it was, I, I, I meant it as a good thing. Fuck. <laughs> you see, you got to let it out. You got to let it out, man. I am fucking good at cursing. I think so. Sometimes. Sometimes. It was, Sometimes. In, it was in the descriptor for the last episode that like Miley, something about you. Did you even read it? <laughs> I did. Because I was going to email you back, but then I didn't. Oh. I wanted, I was in my mind. I was like, I should email her back and say like how great her, her, <laughs> how funny her descriptor is because, um, I, 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 I was like, I want to, um, I want to tell her more often all the great things that she does. Was it in the descriptor that I talked I, about it that you're but, cursing? No, but then I, um, then I didn't email you back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should tell her though. more often. Mmm, chips. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I did finish like almost finish a huge bag of Costco chips. But with your help, <laughs> with a lot of people's help. I had a handful today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. First yeah. potato chip I've had in I don't know how long. Wow. I really cannot remember the last time I had a potato Was it chip. new and good or just new? I was old and good. I yeah, mean, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I mean, they weren't stale. They were really crunchy and salty. And mm, um, I decided it's not something I really miss. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. It's kind of like when you eat that one thing that you thought was like 
you haven't had that in so long and you remember it so much more romantically, like smoking. Mm-hmm. So I used to smoke. Mm-hmm. Like I have much more romantic memories of smoking. Like, but if I were to smoke today, ugh, yeah. yuck, the smell and the taste and the buzz and the high you get in your brain, that part sounds exciting. Mm-hmm. But the rest of it's really gross. Yeah. So my memories of smoking are much more romantic than the reality. And I feel like it was similar for potato chips. Okay. I'd rather eat cucumbers and carrots. I'm a weirdo. That's okay. I'm a weirdo. (laughs) You're healthy. People listening are like, oh, what a weirdo. (laughs) I don't mind. It's cool. I'm I'm down with it. Any other recommendations? Um, I don't have any other recommendations except I really want to go see the hitman's bodyguard's wife. It's like part two to that Ryan Reynolds. The name of the movie. Yeah. The hitman's bodyguard's wife. I think so. Yeah. It's Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson. The Hitman's Bodyguard was the first movie a couple oh. years ago. And Selma Hayek is the wife Got of you. Samuel L. Jackson. And now I it's I think they're trying to protect her in this one. Oh, okay. Um, but it looks hilarious. I'm gonna have to go see it. It's so hot around Phoenix. I know I'm not gonna talk about the weather, but um sitting in an ice cold movie theater just sounds like a good time with your own bowl of popcorn. Or bucket. It's called a bucket of popcorn. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Hmm, okay. Well, popcorn's on my meal plan right now. I'll eat popcorn for you. Then. Okay. You come with me. You eat the popcorn. Yeah. I'll just look at you longingly drooling. <laughs> you're not missing. And then I'll look at you and say, you're not missing much as I chomp more and more popcorn. I'll just eat air. I'll be like, oh, so good. What about you? Uh, well, when this episode airs, it's my birthday. It's your birthday. It's my birthday. That's about it. Happy birthday. Yeah. I'm going to be the first to tell you. I'm going to be fucking 35. Holy smokes. Yeah, I'm going to have like a mid-30s uh, crisis. Are you already having one? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's probably the way you said it. <laughs> it was like a realization moment. Like as you were saying, yeah. you were like, wait, I think yeah. I'm there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing? Mid-30s? Crisis? I don't know. It's okay. for me. Okay. I don't know. I'm in this whole thing where I'm like saying yes to everything. And now I feel overwhelmed. <laughs> You're supposed to be saying no to well, more things. No, no, no. I'm saying no to anything job related or work related. Okay. I'm saying yes to all things life related. Okay. Or non-work related. Yes. You say yes to things that bring you joy. It's like Marie Kondo, that, that clean it, uh, that, 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 what's that? What clutter Marie bitch? Kondo. What's, yeah, what's yeah. the show? Marie, Marie Kondo. You're, yeah. I say yes to a lot of things because, you know, but I can't really use the whole uh, filter of like, does it bring me joy? Because almost anything I do will bring me joy because that's just my mindset. So I'm trying to figure Mm. out. That's why I say like, if it's work related, I'm saying no. If it's like life related, I'm saying yes, so that I could find out and distinguish between what really gives me joy and what doesn't. And how does this enrich you? Like, does this, will you be excited that you spent your time this way? Yeah. Like. I'm thinking about buying a dirt bike and learning how to ride a dirt bike so I can learn how to ride like drive clutch because I don't know how to drive clutch and I might learn and then decide I don't want to do it again. But like that's part of it. It's like Mm -hmm. learning a new skill or or expanding my horizon or and that's what I mean by like midlife or mid 30s. Because I feel like you're taking up a lot of things right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if you're doing it as a way of trying to manage anxiety and not face something. Probably. That's why I say like, like, are you keeping yourself so busy that you don't have to pay attention to the things that you need to grow from? Might be. I heard, I heard people talk about this recently oh, okay. as a way of managing anxiety. Like 
filling up their calendars and making their calendar super, super full so that there's not really an opportunity for them to notice if they're anxious and to have to like pay attention to the things that are calling them. Well, I will say that I noticed the other day that I haven't had any um, anxiety attacks lately. <laughs> I've been too busy. <laughs> I've been too busy to have anxiety attacks. Yeah, no time uh, for that. Yeah, and I've been so busy that I actually sleep. <laughs> I'm so tired <laughs> for um, more than six hours that I've been sleeping. Um, whereas before I was so anxious and I wasn't sleeping and I was having attacks, and, and so I was like, "Well, at least I'm sleeping." Yeah, I'm pro sleeping. We know this. Mm-hmm. You know, if our listeners listen to our episode. On Monday mornings when they're released, I'll be flying right now. Yes. In the air. On her and birthday. I do like that. Is there going to be a birthday sticker on the plane? Is there some sort of like banner you can pull that's like, it's my birthday? I should make a banner or I should take like, I, I, yeah. Something you can put in the window of the plane. It's my birthday. Send all the birthday wishes, please, to our Instagram at the Main Dish Podcast. And then Mandy's birthday is coming up too. So, a couple weeks after. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's cancer season, baby. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's cancer season, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> like your style. I did post something on our Instagram about cancer season. Oh. So, uh, yeah, because it's both of our birthday season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cancers are the best. Yes, We've talked are. about it with quite oh, a few yeah, of sure. our guests. Number one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sensitive little crabby creatures. They're little pinchers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know we're going to, we're going to have a little splish splash good time for the 4th of July mm-hmm. weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I'll get into the pool this time and have a drink. <laughs> Did we talk about that on here? How you, no, no one got in the pool at the last pool party, except for me. It was like Memorial day well, weekend. Because you are always the party. You are the party. I am the party. <laughs> I like that about you. It has almost, I mean, probably most of my life since moving to Arizona, it has probably been that way. Yeah. I don't know. I love that about you. Yeah. Sometimes I look at old pictures. I'm like, oh, I've been this way for a minute. I'm calmer now. (laughs) This week. Can I, can I just say, I hope 35 brings you lots and lots of joy, happy, happy memories, good friends, meaningful connections and prosperity in all of your endeavors. Thank you, Mandy. You're welcome. You're so good to me. I just made that up. You did a very good job at making it up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I mean it. I know, and I appreciate you so much. Write it down. Love you. Love you more. (laughs) Love you to the moon and back a thousand times. Oh, man. What's further than the moon? Jupiter. (laughs) Neptune. Oh, Uranus. Jupiter's like a safe word for us. <laughs> it is. Isn't it the name of like your computer or something? Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> right. Mango Jupiter, Mandy Jupiter. Mm-hmm. Oh. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mandy. And thank you to our listeners. This is, uh, you know, this has really been a great year. You know, we started our podcast. We have great listeners like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you for uh, tuning in every, every week with us. We love it. And uh, this week we have uh, an awesome guest with us. Uh, we're going to continue the conversation and continue celebrating a uh, pride month. Actually, we'll be closing out pride month, I guess, because this is yeah. the last Monday in, in June. And so we have the, the, the honor, the privilege, the, you know, excitement to go along with the same word, you know, mm-hmm. that should be my birthday word, exciting, exciting, <laughs> exciting excitement. And so uh, this week we have Nate Roten. Yep. 
with us from one in 10. And uh, so we look forward to you enjoying the episode and the conversation that we have with Nate. Yes, it was a good one. It was really fun. It was, I just liked listening to him and all that they have to offer at one in 10. It's a really fantastic organization. And um, I think people will be maybe a little bit surprised to hear how robust of a program this is for LGBTQ youth Youth. in Phoenix and Mm -hmm. around the state of Arizona. Yeah. Especially around the state of Arizona, especially in the last, um, you know, year during pandemic, Mm -hmm. they've been able to actually maximize and grow, uh, maximize their resources and grow. Yeah. Expand. What an awesome organization. We love them. Yeah. Go one in 10. Thanks for joining us this week and every week for our episodes. Enjoy. Today we have Nate Roten with us from one in 10. And uh, thank you so very much for spending your time and sharing your expertise and, and, and knowledge with us today. Absolutely. So great to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. How are you doing and feeling today? You know, feeling pretty good. Um, we're, it's been a really busy couple of weeks for us. We're getting ready to get everything reopened for in-person programming and um, also all of our satellites reopened. So doing a lot of hiring and, and just bringing everybody back into the office and, you know, workplaces across the country are facing this and not everybody wants to come back full time, um, trying to see how we can be flexible and, and do all those things. Um, but it's been great to, to see people again in person. And uh, we hired a lot of folks over the pandemic. So we have some employees that have never met in person. And for a small agency like us, you know, we're not like Intel or something where people regularly don't know the people that they work with. Um, so it's been just a different dynamic and, and really um, enjoying getting to know some, some people that we haven't had the chance to work together in person before. When, when you say small agency, like how about how many people would you say are on staff? We have 26 right now um, as we get fully uh, rehired for like our part-time roles that help to run our satellite locations and things of that sort, we'll be up to 32. Oh, that's awesome. And so you have a main location and then you, I didn't know you guys had satellite locations. Yeah. Yeah. So we have the main location in downtown Phoenix and um, that's our 5,000 square foot youth center. And then our administrative offices are there in that same building at the Parsons Center for Health and Wellness located off of Central and uh, Portland in downtown. And then we have 10 satellite locations across the state, including Yuma, Flagstaff, and Prescott, with the other seven really being focused in Maricopa County, um, including like Queen Creek. um, And we'll be expanding that program over the course of this year with new satellites coming online in Fountain Hills, Surprise, and then one in partnership with Chicanos Puerto Casa in Maryville. Wow, that's cool. Can so um please correct me if I'm wrong, but um so one in ten is a nonprofit organization that serves youth age 14 to 24, 11 to 24. Yeah, so we we serve ages 11 to 24. Um most programs are 14 to 24, but we do have some uh, program offerings for down to age 11. Uh and then we've been operating since 1993 in Arizona and really started very grassroots with volunteers and operating out of essentially almost a garage kind of space, then graduated to a church um, that hosted us for several years, Community Church of Hope. And then finally in 2011, we opened our first youth center off of Third Street and uh, just north of Osborne, uh, which is the center that burned down from an arson incident in 2017. 
um, right as we were getting ready to start the construction on this current youth center, and uh, which we moved into in uh, September of 2017. So that's kind of the trajectory of the organization. Um, and then we've just grown along the way, staff-wise and different programs. Um, excited to tell you more about those. Um, but yeah. it, it really has just evolved um, over time. And I like to say that, you know, we're a community investment and a lot of people think of Arizona as not being very progressive, but for a 28-year-old agency to be serving LGBTQ youth and young adults, um, all funded by the community, it's it's pretty special. And not a lot of um, cities have an organization like One in Ten. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I, I I guess I didn't. I never would have not considered Arizona progressive. I guess I. You know, feel it, like it, it depends is. on on what area that, that you're in, and and yeah. um, you know, I think it makes Arizona special. I, I think. Anytime you have too many people that think the same way, it, it, it's not necessarily a good thing. Um, but we do have some areas that are more conservative and um, especially rural areas uh, of the state. And we are, our hope is to be able to get to all areas of Arizona to provide services to LGBTQ youth and young adults, whether that's through our virtual program offerings that we've really fine tuned during the pandemic or actual satellite locations in their communities. I like, were you going to ask Miley? I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I, I, I know about one in 10, you guys actually came to ATSU a panel and did like a lunch and learn type of lecture for us once okay. it was a few years ago. And I made the whole staff, like I made my whole team go, which was probably 20 ish people. But I was like, all the residents need to go all the faculty, all these actually probably more like 30 or 40 of us went. Um, cause I made everybody who was on site that day go somehow Miley got out of got it, out of it. Yeah. And I didn't mean to, and I felt really bad and I really wanted to be there. I promise. It's just like, she doesn't know my Miley. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> I, I was like, oh, this is a really good opportunity, like a good thing for us all to hear. We need to go. Yeah. And I was just telling her right before this, I said, it was the first time most of our faculty heard the idea that someone might not go by she, her, him, oh. his pronouns. Mm -hmm. They were like, mm -hmm. they and them. Mm -hmm. What? And, and the thing is like many of our faculty, students and residents, like our clinic serves vulnerable populations mm -hmm. and and we serve a lot of people who are considered you know they consider themselves lgbtq part you know part of the community and so it's really important hence why i was like our we're going to actually be aware and you know exposed to that kind yeah. of you know yeah that kind of information and education mm -hmm. well miley um that that's right on and and i will share that that a lot of our youth um do express that where they are misgendered most frequently and where it really matters uh, the most um, is in medical settings. And so when a young person comes in to see a doctor or a medical provider and that's not honored, it really affects their quality of care. It affects their um, willingness to be really open and honest with the provider. And ultimately in many cases, uh, studies have shown that they skip medical attention because they don't want to, to deal with that. So it's really important that in medical settings that that is from the get-go that it's asked and then it's also respected it's it's one thing to ask it on a form but then if every single person that you get passed to doesn't honor that and doesn't see it um, it almost makes it worse so i think uh, not only do we need to make sure that um, medical settings are evolved in terms of the paperwork side but then how that's being communicated to every staff member that's going to come into contact with that that person even if it's down to, you know, pronoun stickers or something that could be offered 
for folks. Um, and if someone doesn't want to wear one, they don't have to. If they don't know what it means, no big deal. It's not really for them. Um, but really trying to normalize the asking of pronouns, because for those of us that have the privilege of our pronouns really aligning with how we visibly look to the community, um, it's really up to us to help to normalize that. Yeah. yeah. You, you were like, literally, sorry, you literally just read my mind. Cause I was like, we don't have a spot on this for our paperwork mm -hmm. for pronouns. And I was like, I need to add that. Cause I'm revising it right now where it's one of like my 18 projects I'm in the middle of, but, and, and also, it's just so easy to do. It's super easy on paperwork, but mm -hmm. the thing is our paperwork doesn't get to the back office always. And it's not mm -hmm. something that like the travels with the patient the whole time you're in the and that's the thing is the way yeah. it travels with the patient and yeah, how do you like, ensure that once you ask it, then it's, it's being. So now I'm thinking I need to talk to our developers and have them add a little blurb. Like there's a piece in our EMR software that, you know, it shows like your name and your date of birth and your phone number, like at the top of the screen, yeah, always right under it or right next yep. to it instead of male, female. I think we should just replace that with pronouns. Oh yeah, that's completely. A great idea. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. it reminds me of you know because we are a university, so we're mm -hmm. teaching residents and students. And I remember one of the one of the uh, the visits I've had where a student and you know and even another faculty came up to me and they're wondering like we're not sure how to address this patient. And I flat out said like, well, why don't you ask, ask. them? Like yeah. just, mm -hmm. just ask. And and so we also need to normalize just. The, the decreasing, you know, that discomfort that people feel when they don't know how to ask, like making exactly. it normal to ask, uh, that yeah. it's actually respectful to ask. Uh, and and Miley, even taking it to a level where, you know, something I've started doing is in an email, when you loop someone in like, oh, looping in my deputy director, Cato Stewart, and then putting their pronouns in parentheses right after their name, you know, mm. because it just sets up everybody for success in the, in the interaction. Um, and so we're just including it at yeah. all stages and then it doesn't even seem abnormal because everyone just is always doing it. And, um, I, I really can't wait till we see that just across the board in, in all settings, because, um, you know, like you were mentioning with the paperwork and stuff like that, it's so easy to do. Um, but it's one thing to do it. And then another thing, how it's actually carried throughout the organization so that it's then respected respected and carried on. I almost think, you know, the word came to mind as like a, a, making it a habit, making it normal, that it's just another thing that we are. So we become so used mm -hmm. to seeing and doing. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. I noticed your name on your zoom camera, um, and mm -hmm. how you put your pronouns. And I, I've, I've noticed that more and more in many of my zoom conference calls that more, yeah. and more people are doing it, which now as more and more people do, it becomes normal. Or oh yeah. It's like part, mm -hmm. of, part of our social yep. media bios now. Like mm -hmm. I think, um, Instagram, I think offers it. You just, I think you can check a box. I think. Yeah. That, I actually um, just added mine to Instagram. I didn't notice that. And then I saw it on someone else's and I was like, oh my gosh, when did they add this? So, yeah. so easy to do. Um, there are some video platforms like teams and WebEx that it's not as, uh, I don't even think it's offered right now. Hopefully that will be changed soon, but uh, with Zoom, it's it's relatively easy. Yeah, it's genius too. I mean, I love the whole idea of putting it like in, uh, looping people into emails and adding that mm -hmm. just little stuff like that, because especially in a place like ours where it's doctor, this doctor, 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 everybody's just a doctor. And what's funny yeah. is doc everybody thinks a doctor is a him all of the time. So they're always like, mm -hmm. is, is he available today? I'm like, it's a her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Get up on my but little wait, feminist. Wait until soapbox. this younger generation are doctors because more and more are identifying with they, them pronouns 
or alternative pronouns. And so um, it will become normal. Uh, it's just a matter of time. So why not get on the on board now? I tend and, to always um, do this do with that. babies because you can't tell what gender a baby is. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always like, oh, look at them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> look at you. <laughs> People even do it with animals. And why is it important to know if someone's dog is male or female? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so strange. I'm really curious. So I, I know about one in 10 and I, I have a very minor, like shallow knowledge of one in 10. I'm super curious. What are the program? Were you going to go to yeah, programs? I, yeah, I was right <laughs> earlier. I was going to ask uh, if you could share a little bit about the virtual programs, but also maybe mm-hmm. some of the in-person programs as well. So a little bit of everything about what one. In yeah. 10 yeah. Just in so case our know, listeners aren't familiar with one in 10. Sure. Yeah. The thing that's been great about the virtual programs is that we've been able to serve so many different unique cities and towns here in Arizona, and then even outside of the state. Um, We don't really advertise outside of the state, but youth from everywhere are welcome. Uh, We have an online intake process and and, um, they do a virtual meeting with staff beforehand. Uh, But once that's done, they can attend any of the programs that are within their age range. But one in 10 has what I consider our five hallmark programs, which the first is our youth center and the satellite locations that we've talked about a little bit. Um, The second is our our pond program, which stands for promise of a new day which encompasses um, several different tracks. So we have the track for workforce and then we have the track for supportive housing. Workforce is all around getting uh, young people ready for their careers, for for jobs, um, everything from resume writing to interview um, experience to how to handle on the job emotions um, so that they don't get upset at their manager and then go on their lunch break and never come back. Um, to the supportive housing program, which is providing housing to youth experiencing homelessness and all the wraparound services to help them to graduate to independent living. And then we have our annual summer camp, which has been happening virtually last year and will happen virtually again this year, July 19th through the 24th. Um, But excited to bring that back to in-person next year. It's one of the largest of its kind in the world, um, providing an an LGBTQ inclusive um, outdoor education experience with 50 to 60 workshops. Um, it's just really a, a fantastic program. Um, one of my favorites, if I'm allowed to, to have one. Um, and then we have our QBLC, which stands for um, Queer Blended Learning Center. This is a high school diploma program that's offered in partnership with K-12 Virtual Academy. So it's online curriculum, but it's there in a classroom in our youth center. And there's an on-site credential teacher and teacher's aide that are trained in like math and science. So they're getting that in-person education piece as well as the community um, of going to school with other youth. And then when they're done with the school day at three o'clock, they can come out and go to the youth center. So it's free aftercare for those families until seven o'clock. So really just a a great program. And then we do a lot of work around um, health and wellness. Um, We have a lot of um, LGBTQ inclusive, medically accurate LGBT or um, sexual health education. Here in this state um, until really in 2019, when it was the law was overturned, it was illegal to teach about LGBTQ relationships in the schools in regular sex ed. Um, And so we've been able to develop good, again, accurate, medically accurate, science-based sexual health education uh, for all ages, but we deliver different education for like 11 to 13 versus our 14 to 16, and then 18 to 24. 
Um, but that's really important because it deals with a variety of topics that um, help to ensure that our youth are healthy and, and receive that proper education that doesn't shame them for being who they are. It um, was illegal? So yeah, I didn't know it that. was. It was actually called the, the no promo homo law um, is, is what it was loosely called. What? And we had that um, in our state for, for quite some time, for decades. Um, and then this year in this legislative session, um, there were several uh, bills introduced to make it illegal again, even um, the possibility of, of jail time for teachers that taught about LGBTQ folks um, and, and fines. So none of those ended up passing into law, uh, fortunately, but I anticipate that we'll see another round of them um, this next legislative session in 2022. I was going to so say- So constantly under that. attack in those ways. And, you know, it, it just- the message it sends to young people when their identity is completely missing from the education, it's really dangerous. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm, I'm hopeful that we will not see any of those legislative agendas succeed in the, the coming years. And then finally, we do a lot of work around um, suicide prevention. We use an evidence-based intervention model called Sources of Strength. We weave it into a lot of our programs and then also do specific programs around that um, really focusing on that issue because it does um, affect youth across this country at such high rates, but particularly LGBTQ and even more so um, our trans youth and also youth that have gone through conversion therapy see a five times increase in suicide um, attempts. So really focusing on the overall health and wellness um, of our young people so they can grow up to be the best um, you know, uh, adults that they can be. It's so wild to me that it could be illegal to teach yeah. anything other than hetero sex health. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. Wow. Right. Right. And, <laughs> and it, it's just, it is shocking. Um, and I feel bad for the teachers too, that, that couldn't, you know, and many of them probably wanting to, to teach what they know is um, scientifically accurate information. Now, now they can, but a lot of school districts are even now looking at um, just not providing sexual health education because it's too um, partisan uh, and, and divided. And so that leaves space, I guess, for organizations like One in 10 to teach that. But what if you know, their parents don't know and, and or they don't have access to our programs, uh, where are they going to learn? There's yeah. so much that kids only get in school. I mean, some kids only get breakfast at school. Some kids, yeah. you know, right. I mean, there's so many things mm -hmm. that we, we rely on schools to give so children. And I, yeah, that's just yeah. scary to think that there's less and less that might yeah. be available to them in the ways of education and how to take care of themselves and how to move into adulthood. And I mean, and sexual we health. We really saw a lot of that during the pandemic too. So when schools went virtual, all of a sudden, you know, like you said, that's where they get breakfast and lunch. And so we started some different programming, um, including our emergency relief fund, where we were providing emergency rental and food assistance to young people. Our Let Us Eat program is was curbside um, pickup of food boxes that coordinated with our online or virtual cooking class for that week um, to our Amazon pantry orders, where we would order um, a set list of pantry items from Amazon pantry to be delivered directly to those young people's homes to ensure that they didn't experience food instability uh, during the pandemic, um, as well as it was safe because then they didn't have to go to a grocery store. 
So really just looking at every way that we could be there for our young people during a year that quite frankly was, was pretty scary and, and um, anxiety filled for, for most of us. Um, but when you're a young person, particularly those that have been kicked out of their families for being gay and it does still happen, um, you know, and they're 16 to 24 and they just don't have that network. Um, I, like I shared at the beginning of this, before we started recording, I had to run down to my mom's house to record this right now because my internet was out. So even at 43, I'm still needing my mom. So for those young people that don't have that, um, that's where one in 10 can really come in and, and we can be their chosen family. I'm curious. So when I was, you know, this is when I, when I first started learning about the, the homelessness issue or the high rate of homelessness for teens who are in, you know, in the LGBTQ community, um, I learned this in, in college. I volunteered with, I was down in Tucson for college at U of A and I volunteered with a local homeless shelter that served, um, LGBTQ teens that were homeless. And so I'm really fascinated by this and I have been most of my life. Um, but what kind of, um, what kind of services or what kinds of things should, you know, should we or our listeners be aware of, or how, how can we help with, with that yeah. in the arena? Well, so the, the youth homelessness population is defined as 18 to 24 by HUD um, federally. And of that group nationally, and we see a very similar statistic here in Arizona, 40% identify as LGBTQ. And we know from, depending on the age group, uh, that roughly 10 to 15% of the population is LGBT. Um, we have more identifying as LGBT if you look at the subset of under 25, but uh, one in 10 is not changing our name, even though it's looking like one in four in some age groups. But um, as far as homelessness goes though, that 40%, the top reason that they cite that they are experiencing homelessness is still family rejection. So. That's really important to note because as we see more positive families on TV and in, in popular media, um, there that is happening, and I'm, I'm really happy to see that. But we still see these young people being rejected from their families for being who they are. So one in ten started our supportive housing program um, in 2012. We've provided supportive housing to over 140 youth in that time period and helping them graduate to independent living and moving on to their own apartments and, and those types of things, helping them with budgets and um, savings and, and, and all of that. Um, during the pandemic, we really shifted to the emergency relief fund, which was dedicated to getting immediate emergency relief into the lives of our young people. We would pay the, the money directly to the landlords. So our housing navigators were acting as um, a liaison, if you will, and in some cases, helping to renegotiate leases and uh, remove late fees and things like that to ensure that they didn't end up uh, being evicted and, and, and becoming homeless. Um, through that, we were able to assist over 100 youth um, over the last year in, in food and uh, rent. We're also working on reimagining our housing program, and that's being relaunched currently, where our previous program was site-based, meaning that they had to come to our specific location in downtown. Um, it was in partnership with City of Phoenix. It was a great program. It allowed us to start the program up with very little upfront um, resources. But what we found was that it was taking youth out of settings where maybe they did have a job. I mean, people think that youth experiencing homelessness are, are unemployed and aren't in school. But in fact, 
many of them are, and maybe they're in both, but they still manage to make it work even without a roof over their head. So when we take them out of those communities, they then lose their job that, that they've had um, because they have to move into downtown Phoenix and maybe their job is in Tempe and taking city bus that far and light rail makes it very difficult. So we're meeting the youth where they are in their communities where they maybe have support from various friends, maybe extended family, not someone they can live with, but still there's someone there um, as well as school and helping them find apartments in those communities. And then we step in and guarantee that lease and pay 100% of the rent up front. And then as they get jobs and, and um, can start contributing to that, they can pay up to 30% of their pay towards their rent while they're also working on savings and things like that, and ultimately taking over the apartment on their own. So it's really, we're stepping in um, to assist and it's a springboard for them into independent living. Um, so I'm excited to see this program go online. The applications will open up for it in the next week. Um, and then we'll start to accept new youth into that program um, to provide housing. That's amazing. Yeah, that is. I mean, I, the, the model itself is interesting, but just the fact that you're going to the, into the community to, you know, you're meeting with them where they're at, it takes, it removes one less, you know, one, one barrier, more barrier. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, the guiding principle that we created for this new program is and, and really sticking to that in every part of the design is what does our program say we believe about LGBTQ youth and young people? And so if we believe that they're resilient, capable uh, you know, folks, um, why not meet them where they are and help them in ways that are that is meaningful, but not take them out of those communities? And um, I, I'm hopeful that we'll see some really great outcomes from this, you know, this revamped program. Now, I know people will see the screenshots that we took at the beginning of this, but Nate said he was 43. Are you, Miley, also him. stuck on the fact that he's 43? <laughs> <laughs> was well, like, you was know, like, there's some secrets in this space that help it to look young. <laughs> I'm like, I often get told I don't look my age either. And I was feeling really good about turning 42 next month. And then Nate's like, I'm 43. I'm like, oh. I used to hate it, but I've grown to love it as I've gotten older. But, you know, going to ASU yeah. at 17, 18 years old and looking like you're 12, that didn't, that wasn't as good. But now, now I'm liking it. That's so funny. So you're the executive director, back on track, Mandy. Mm -hmm. um, you're the executive <laughs> director at 1 in 10. What brought you to 1 in 10? What drew you to this organization and how long have you been there exactly? I, so I uh, had a career in the for-profit sector. Uh, for approximately 17 years, uh, working for various companies from Fortune 100s to construction companies, um, heavily in the, the finance uh, area. Um, and I enjoyed it. It was great. But uh, as I was getting closer to 40, I really wanted to do something different from an X chapter. And um, this opportunity opened up at one in 10 for their first development director. Development directors uh, really focus on, on the donors, donations, events, grants, things of that sort, really getting the funding for the organization. And we had finally gotten to the point where we were big enough to hire one. And I was the first uh, development director. I served in that role for a year, um, started in October of 2015, and uh, then um, became the director of finance and operations uh, for a year. And then finally, executive director um, at the end of 2017. Um, so I've been in my role as, as the ED for um, about three and a half years. 
And um, I just, I love what I do. I love this incredible team that we have and the, the magic that they perform every day with our programs. Um, and then the youth that we get to be a part of their lives. It just is really a great, um, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm really running a small business. I mean, yeah. I sit in an office most of the day and I uh, look at a lot of Excel and email and that kind of stuff. But when you know that the, the net impact of those efforts is to be there for these amazing young people, it really helps you to have a different um, lens and, and, and frame of mind when you are finishing your day and driving home um, than just knowing that, oh, that was a profitable construction project. <laughs> I pushed some so, numbers today. I did some good stuff. Like it's a little bit more than that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel really fortunate to, to be doing this. Um, and, uh, it, it is very hard work and, um, our staff is, just does great stuff. Um, but I'm even more excited to get things reopened for in person and, uh, get to start to see the youth again, other than just on a zoom screen or, our discord server or whatever. So you haven't been back in person at all. No one has you, not even any of the member, the youth members or anything. No. So we, we did close all in-person programs, uh, March 13th and went completely virtual. We have our zoom based programs. We have a discord server, which is like a digital youth center, Twitch, which I don't honestly know a lot about. Um, but it's popular with some youth and our staff. They tell them. me, they tell me the kids are doing it these days. I don't know. Yeah, they're doing it. They're doing it. <laughs> um, and uh, so, you know, figuring out those ways as well as the emergency relief fund. And then we have by appointment only, they can come down to the youth center to get resources. So whether that's food and toiletries and things like that, we're still offering all of those services, clothing. Um, but we, we have not been open for in-person programming. And so just really, um, it, it's been a lot of work to get there. We also did a little bit of a remodel of the youth center space during the pandemic. So I'm excited for the youth to see that for the first time. We built out a theater space and a new music room. And wow. so it'll be really exciting to, to show them that and get to actually finally use it. Um, but uh, so we've been busy, but um, just not having the youth there. We, we have been, I've really been coming back to the office for, um, I don't know, maybe seven or eight months. Um, because it was just me and a few others, but now we have more and more of our staff coming back in and, but then looking at how we can remain flexible with work from home. Like I think all workplaces are, are doing mm-hmm. balance yeah. the needs of, of the business or organization with the lives of, of our staff. Yeah. I, uh, over during pit, the pandemic over the last, you know, 16 months or so, I think people got really comfortable and they were like, oh, and then businesses also went, oh, we don't have to have everybody here all day, every day. And people were like, I can get my work done at home in six hours easily. I don't need to go sit in an office for eight. I don't have to commute. (laughs) Yeah. In in many cases, they were more efficient. Like you said, like Mm -hmm. you can get the, you know, the same amount of work done in six hours versus eight hours. Yeah. Um, Well, and we never had a video meeting at 10 until. March 13th of last year. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of thrust into it as a lot of organizations were, but I think we, we all quickly figured out that we could make this work. And um, there's a lot of, of pluses to it, but that in-person piece is still so necessary, particularly, particularly for some of the work that we do. Yeah. Um, for instance, we have showers in our youth center. So it may be the only really safe place that a young person can come and shower that's maybe experiencing homelessness. 
um, because some of the local shelters and things like that just are not safe for LGBTQ young people. Um, so that's just an example of one of the, the things that um, our youth really rely on and, and need to be able to access. That's really exciting that you're getting ready to open back up. When you said it was hard work, it reminded me of um, a question I kind of wrote to myself when I was thinking about this interview earlier. And like social work, these types of positions are really hard work. Um, I have some friends in similar spaces. And I'm curious, I mean, so Miley and I work together at the dental school. I'm in operations. So doing a similar type of gig where I'm kind of overseeing all of the pieces and trying to keep everybody doing their things. And um how do you bring your focus back to like the mission when things get really heavy? Oh, that's, that's hard. That is definitely hard. And I think uh, those that have been in this industry for a long time, um, they really have to develop great self-care strategies. Um, you know, taking vacation time, being able to go home and, and turn it off as much as you can um, is, is critical. And, um, you know, I've only been doing this for, you know, like I said, almost six years and I feel that heaviness, um, the, the fortunately few times, but few is too many that we've lost a young person to a, you know, death from suicide. Um, it, it can be very, very difficult for staff and for, um, for our youth that, that know that person. And I think, you know, every time you, you figure out a way to make it through it, but um, certainly having a network of support, uh, we really encourage people to um, seek out therapy. We have, we really try to offer great health benefits so that that's not a hurdle for them because we know that this work is heavy and hard at times, while at the same time, it's really fun and really amazing at others. Um, our annual Queermas celebration that we have in the youth center at Christmas time, where you have Mr. and Mrs. Claus and the Grinch and, and everyone come and all these great gifts and food and, um, or our Halloween where Mac makeup artists come and do the makeup for our young people for Halloween. Um, you know, you have to really think about those moments and the moments where you see a young person for the first time that is finally around people that are just like them and what that, how powerful that is. And for a lot of marginalized communities, whether that's um, black and brown communities, indigenous, LGBTQ, um, for those that are members of those communities, many can remember the first time that they were in a room and they looked around and saw people just like them. And it's not that everyone wants to live in a bubble that we all are just around people just like us but it helps to send a message to yourself that you're not alone and that who you are is not wrong and that you're no less than this other person that is you know, part of the majority. Um, and I think that's where there's a lot of power in our programs is to send that message to our young people that you are not alone and that, that there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. I think that's something that we preach in basically every episode we do here, almost regardless of our guests. It's like, you're not alone. Yeah. There's, if you're experiencing it, trust that someone or like a million other people are experiencing it or have experienced it. And like right. your record through getting, for getting through days is a hundred percent. Um, and just to kind of remember, like you said, the bright, shiny moments, it's funny how our human brains like to focus on the bad stuff sometimes when there's so yeah. much more good than bad. 
But if you think about it, and because I just had this conversation with someone the other day, we do focus on the negative initially, but over time, the negative goes away. Think about a bad relationship that you had with a boyfriend or girlfriend or person that you were dating. And initially, when you break up, you are just thinking of all the bad things. But then as time goes on, you kind of start to forget those. And sometimes you might even go back and try to date the person again. Um, because you're like, you know, it wasn't that bad. And I just really miss them. And then you date him for a few weeks and you're like, oh, oh that no. was pretty bad. <laughs> so I think that's actually a good thing in many cases that uh, as humans, we uh, tend to minimize the negativity in the past yeah. um, while focusing on it maybe in the present and um, trying to break free of that a little bit and just uh, from a, a place of gratitude, recognize all of the uh, incredible things that are going on each and every day. And particularly over this pandemic, that's been really important for people. Yeah. I mean, I think anthro, I think like speaking brain wise, it's a survival technique, right? Like you need to remember that bad thing. Like, don't do that again. I touched the hot stove. It was hot. Don't do that again. Like, so, but it's, yeah, yeah, but it's funny. It's like you said, you go back, I talk about that with women who have children. They will like go like how bad the labor was. It was this, it was that. And for a long time, it's just stories of this terrible labor. And then they get pregnant again because <laughs> they've forgotten how terrible that nine months was and yeah. like the labor and the not sleeping for months after the baby. Is born. I am so glad I don't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> well, like no, women, women uh, PSA, you don't owe society children. So if you don't want to have kids, don't have kids. There you go. <laughs> yes. But if you want to have them and then really celebrate when they turn out LGBT. Yes. <laughs> have all the babies. <laughs> have them come to one in 10. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I think that's another important thing uh, to point out um, for some of your listeners that maybe don't know about one in 10 um, is that our youth really look like all youth. Um, and we could have a, a young person dropped off at one of our satellite locations by their supportive parent in their Cadillac Escalade or whatever. Um, and then we have youth that take city bus and light rail for several hours to access our youth centers so that they can take that safe shower. So we've really had to develop programming that responds to, to all of the, that gamut of needs and, um, and meet the youth again where they are and um, be trauma informed in our approach, but also um, recognize that we do have a lot of youth that come to us that are from supportive families and their families just want to do the right thing for them. We get calls every single day from families that they're like, I think my child is maybe gay, or I think my child is trans. What do I do? Well, you have to wait for them to come out to you because even if you're excited for them to come out, it's their journey and, uh, and they need to have that. But um, I, it, it does make me really hopeful when we see the number of calls from parents that just want to do the right thing. And they want to get that support for their young people. That's why during the pandemic in, in September, we launched our first parents group and um, it's virtual, it's free. All of our programs are free, 100% to all of the participants. And um, the parents group has been really, really great. In fact, it's grown so quickly that we added a second one. And so people can find out more information on our website at oneintend.org. Um, in our calendar of programs, you can look for the parents group and um, see when those meet and look to, to join those. Um, so for families that maybe have a young person that's just come out, or maybe they are wondering if they are LGBT, that would be a good first place to start to see uh, and, and seek support from other parents that are going through similar. I was actually going mm -hmm. to ask if you, you know, because we had focused on, or we had shared that your focus is serving the youth, but I was curious if you had any programs or services that supported 
families and parents. And it sounds like, you yeah, we really have stayed away from that um, mm-hmm. because there are some of the organizations that, that offer some of those pieces, but um, we just have seen such a need for it. And, and really it's a result of parents being, you know, wanting to be supportive. And um, so it, it's a great thing. Um, but previously we hadn't done it because we only have so much capacity and it's like, do we expand and offer a satellite to a young person that lives in Kingman, Arizona, or do we have a parents group? Oh, um, yeah. We don't have a Kingman, Arizona satellite yet, but, uh, mm-hmm. but there are virtual. Um, but I do, that is a goal that we really want to cover this entire state um, through a hybrid approach of the in-person satellites and um, the online or, or virtual offerings. Uh, I'm also curious, I mean, you're, you know, one in 10 had come to our campus to do, you know, what I would say this education program or, mm-hmm. you know, spreading awareness or whatnot. Do you have a other, whether it's like other organizations or maybe, you know, other professionals that come into one in 10 and educate? I, you know, I wonder, you know, with you coming in to educate us, like what if we had our health students come educate or provide information about healthcare or re- other related things? Like, is that something that one in 10 looks for or is in need of? Yes, absolutely. And when we're back open for in-person, we do a, so many different collaborations. And um, as an organization, you can submit to do a workshop with the youth. Um, you can also look at if there's a training that you can offer for our staff. Absolutely. We'll even do, you know, those in trade. Um, we, we offer our trainings to corporate and government groups, um, as well as other nonprofits uh, for a fee, but we have different discounts and things like that. And if we can um, partner with an agency to to each provide trainings, we'll absolutely look at that because we just feel like by doing that, by offering those trainings and getting out there in the community, we're making the the community itself more inclusive and a safer place for our young people. So it really still fits within our mission, but um, I, we would love to to look at that and, um, for our young people, they love to hear from different folks and, and hear about different careers, um, as well as as learn uh, about those topics. So that would be great. I, I ask that for selfish reasons as well, because <laughs> our student, you know, we encourage our students to go out in the community a lot to to provide education. And so I'm always looking for opportunities for us to come and just, you know, share information about taking care of your oral health and how yeah. it's related to your general health. And so. We do have some really great partnerships that offer in-kind services to our youth um, when we're back to in-person yeah. on Tuesdays with our resource night. Uh, we have a partnership with Phoenix Children's Hospital where they bring the cruise and health mobile. Dr. Chalani is the doctor on board and he's a gender management specialist. Um, and he sees our youth and provides free uh, health services to them, including just general uh, physicals, uh, wellness exams, things of that sort, but can also talk to them if they're and they and their families are wanting to look at uh, transition and, and hormones and things of that sort. And then Brighter Way Dental offers our their mobile dental clinic to us. And um, within their first couple months of offering services to us, it was ten dollars to $15,000 of in-kind dental services per month. Yeah. So it really- They're pretty awesome. Um, we're it, we're it, familiar with, yeah. It's been great. Um, and, and Dr. Volchek and uh, his team are just great partners. So I'm so excited to have those come back. Um, but those are really, those are just on Tuesdays and whether that's maybe expanded so that something like with you all could be offered virtually, um, or through satellites or something to that effect. Um, not every youth is able to make it to the youth center. So there's still a lot of need for various collaborations and, and programs like that. 
That's pretty awesome. We should talk to Dr. Howell. Oh, yes. We're putting him on blast. <laughs> we'll, get a, we'll, we'll have our people contact Dr. Howell, contact your people. Perfect. I don't know if I, I don't know if we out him on the podcast, but his husband was actually yeah. on an episode with us a couple weeks ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. His yeah. husband is a sister with the sisters, sisters of, of perpetual yeah. indulgence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was waiting I was like, to see I'm if she got there. there. Sisters of perpetual indulgence. It's a slow, my brain. It's yeah. <laughs> Sister Mimosa. Yes. Romero. And they're such a great, they're such a great group. They do. They've done so much for one in 10 over the years. Um, and they actually come to our camp, uh, camp outdoors, and they oh. teach a, a workshop called none in a bag. And they teach all about the history of sisters of perpetual indulgence, which is a really cool story of activism and how, you know, they started to have to wear this heavy makeup so that they could come out and uh, really be in the streets and stand up for their rights at a time when it wasn't safe to be open and gay. Um, but they then help our young people to do their own makeup and create their own uh, sister's name. Um, and so then you have all these youth running around camp with um, that fabulous, bright, wonderful nun makeup on. Um, and so it's really, really cool. Yeah, we love them. They're um, um, so I think I probably know a good part of the answer to this, but what does it mean to you to work with an organization like one in 10? For me, it's really coming full circle with a lot of things about my life and childhood. I was raised Mormon and um, I'm a fourth generation Arizonan. And um, I I love that now we're seeing more acceptance from religions across the board and religious families. In fact, we have a devout Mormon on our our board of directors um, who has an LGBT child and is, is a fierce defender of that young person. But that wasn't always the case. And so for me, it's it's been really um, important to be a part of this, providing these safe spaces for young people that come from that, that wide range of, of different backgrounds and childhoods and families to ensure that they do have that support. So that's really what has driven me to, to do this work um, and to be part of that solution of how are we supporting our young people? I think young people across this country uh, need to have um, you know, more um, supportive people in their lives, whatever that might look like. And programs like Big Brothers Big Sisters, who we have a collaboration with um, that does a program with us uh, on, on the weekends at our youth center, um, providing that, that adult mentor in their life um, is another great example. But so it's not just one in 10, but I think the way we do it is uh, special and it's really um, particular for the needs of LGBTQ young people. Um, and I just love being a part of that. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. That's why you're the ED. <laughs> when when <laughs> I hear also, stories like we this, we also have a lot of fun you. though too. Yeah, it just makes me wish I had more time to volunteer with mm-hmm. more organizations every time we talk to a group like this. And I'm like, yeah. You don't have all the time in the no, world. No, There's no, only so many yous that yeah, can go around. No, no. But because I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm like, man, what can we do to help? How can we be, you know, involved? And I'm thinking, but I don't have all the time then, in the world. Then we have to realize this is our involvement, yeah. like shining right. a spotlight right. yeah. on organizations and putting it in more in front yeah. of more people and in their in their ear holes, as I like to say about the podcast. <laughs> Um, this is our our form of like activism, so to speak, and just uh, getting people to think about things that they might not otherwise have thought about for a little while. Well, like, for example, 
I'm still shocked and still thinking about why there are legislative like things happening that are against um, teaching, uh, you know, the yeah. you know, health, mm-hmm. you know, sexual health and, and, you know, related to like LGBTQ stuff. So I'm just like so shocked that there are people out there that are so against it that they would fight year in, year out. Because when you said that, you know, those legislative issues had been, you know, had not been passed this year, but they're going to come back next year. It just makes me so kind of almost angry, right? Like, yeah, just angry. Well, at- and, and Miley, it, it also, um, another uh, critical piece that I, I should have mentioned is we've been active over the last three years to um, get a ban on conversion therapy here in the state for minors. Every state around us, including the state of Utah, has a ban on conversion therapy for minors, but we don't here in Arizona. It's still allowed. It still does happen, even though it's it's often disguised as, as other things. Um, but it, and it's, they say, well, oh, it's not barbaric anymore. It's not, we're not using electroshock therapy and things of that sort, but talk therapy can be just as destructive and um, the young people that uh, are unfortunate to have to go through that have much, much higher, four to five times higher rates of suicide attempts, depression, substance abuse, all of those indicators. And um, it's something that we really need here in Arizona. We have stories of young people from some of our sister agencies in Colorado, for instance, uh, who have friends that have been shipped to Arizona for conversion therapy. Is that what we want to be known as here in the state? Um, I would hope not. And so by getting that ban placed, it will prevent that from happening by licensed professionals. Now, it doesn't prevent uh, church uh, groups from from counseling against it, if that's what you believe in. It doesn't prevent parents from talking to their young people about the various um, parts of of coming out. Uh, Some would have you believe that that it does prevent that, and it doesn't. It's just uh, a ban on licensed professionals. So I think it's really important. And it also sends a message to our young people that that's not uh, accepted. And this is a state where, where everyone recognized, seen, and uh, accepted. That's like the opposite. Conversion therapy is like the opposite of healthcare. Right. The, I mean, the fact that maybe an insurance company might even pay for this, but people are paying for this as a form of healthcare, it's like, that's like the opposite of it. It's some sort of messed up brainwashing to tell. Yeah. I just, wow. That's mind boggling. I mean, this, we go through these same things in women's healthcare too. You know what I mean? It's every year there's like abortion bills and this and that, and trying to take away rights and trying to take away. There were a lot of those this year too. There were so many, and there are some getting passed and it's Mm -hmm. kind of scary to, to, to watch things go in reverse in a way that's not, not really helpful. It's just feeding or satisfying, I guess, one small one agenda. Right. Right. People voting with emotions versus logic at the expense of so many uh, lives. So many. I, yeah, I could get on my little soapbox about pro-lifers, but I'll try not to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm curious now to look into like LGBTQ and the disparities that they face in healthcare settings. Yeah. There's a lot of information out there. The human rights campaign uh, has done an, an incredible study um, there's some data around Arizona specific, um, and we do an annual survey of our youth too, where we ask questions like, are you out to your doctor and, and those types of things. But statistically, health outcomes are so much better um, for all ages when they're able to be out to their doctor. But sadly, there's still quite a few that are not. Um, 
uh, you know, for me, I've always selected a doctor that I know I can be comfortable with in that regard. I, um, I've always felt really good about that, but that's not the case for everyone. And um, particularly in rural parts of the state, that might actually be very difficult for them. Um, they can comfortably come in. That makes sense. Those are those less progressive parts that we talked about at the beginning. <laughs> And HRC does have, in addition to their corporate equality index that rates larger companies on inclusivity, they also have the um, healthcare index as well. Um, and then their um, municipality index, where Phoenix has proudly had a, a score of 100 um, for several years, I, I want to mm. say since its inception, but um, it, and they make it harder and harder every year to get that, that 100. So I'm really proud of our, our mayor, uh, Kate Gallego, and the work that she's done um, to ensure that our city continues to, to rank so high. Yes, let's hope we're able to continue that work. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> this has been amazing. Thank you so much for sitting down with us. Yeah, yeah thank you. It's so been much. great. And um, please, if anyone else has, has questions or wants to learn more about the organization, go to our website, oneinten.org. Uh, we also have our annual Dancing for One in Ten coming up on October 16th at Tempe Center for the Arts, uh, where we have local, we call them local celebrities, local leader celebrities that are paired with professional dancers. They fundraise for two months and practice their dance routines, and then they let it all out on the big stage at Tempe Center for the Arts, hosted by our favorite drag queen, Barbara Seville. It's a really fun night, um, and uh, it had to be canceled in 2020, so we're really excited to bring it back. And it's one of our big events that provides a significant amount of funding for our programs. Did Eddie talk about Barbara Seville in his episode? They have. We, we just, just interviewed Eddie Broadway or um, Elijah. Yeah. I yes. actually went to high school with Elijah. So Did you really? yes, it was pretty awesome to reconnect and, and kind of hear his story. And because um, I knew him when, you know, in high school long before he transitioned. So uh, it was and just Eddie amazing. actually competed in dancing for one in 10 oh. did amazing. And his story where he had not allowed himself to dance in so long because of his you know, bad memories of, of ballet and um, being so gender stereotypical in, in those areas um, to he's come to our summer camp and worked with our youth. Um, he's just been incredible and, and really um, is the epitome of giving back to a community and to our young people. And they just look up to him like yeah. nobody's business. Because, so inspirational. Yes. Yeah, he really is. And we're fortunate in this city to have so many people like uh, Eddie um, and the drag community has been so giving to one in 10, both in fundraising and um, in all different aspects. So I couldn't say um, enough thank yous to, to drag queens like Barbara Seville, to performers and drag kings uh, like Eddie Broadway. They really make this work. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank that's... you so very much, Nate, for, for thank you. Time with us. Yeah. Do you also yeah. have an Instagram page where people can? We you know, do. Yeah. Kids love their check Instagram. Out our, check out our Instagram, Facebook. Um, we were just recognized by the Arizona Republic as being one of the top you know, LGBT uh, Instagrams. And oh. um, our team really puts a lot of work into it. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I'm not even that big into social media, but I think our Instagram is, is really pretty cool. And I don't know how they make it so great. Cause it's not me that does it. <laughs> <laughs> we Danny, all have Danny our little Logan, <laughs> Danny Logan is our staff member that does our Instagram and she just puts her heart and soul into that. And it, it really shows. shows. 
for sure. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I love it. We will definitely yeah. link that in mm-hmm. the descriptor for the show and be sure Thank that you. Um, we tag you all in some Instagram posts on our page so people can head over there directly from there uh, to learn a Great. little bit more, hit the links in your bio, find out about the upcoming events. And I'm mm-hmm. assuming donate. If Absolutely. Yes. Like I said, all of our services are free to our young people. So we rely on donations from the community uh, to provide um, the funding. So that's, that's definitely critical too. Uh, best awesome. wishes to your reopening. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Can't wait to see everybody down at the center. Yeah. And and thank you again for all that you do, for all that you and your staff and your team do. Thanks yeah. for providing this platform. We appreciate you all. You're amazing. That was an awesome interview. I really enjoyed it. He's a really fun personality. Mm-hmm. I just, I like him. He's yeah. so, I don't know. Sometimes when we talk to people that are, um, so established yeah like he's professional and he's knowledgeable but he's also fun sometimes makes me feel like god mandy get your shit together (laughs) i sometimes i look at people in roles like that are similar to mine like that and i think am i this articulate when people talk to me about my job he was articulate so articulate i get sort of jealous and um insecure in myself i get jealous and insecure (laughs) of you when you are very articulate oh well thank you yes that's why sometimes I get quiet because I'm like, wow, you're, you're already doing such a great job. I'm just going to let you run with it. Um, and then when I speak up, I like stutter. And then I like weird, use random words and weird words. I'm like, okay, back at right back to Mandy. I'm throwing it back to Mandy because she's so articulate. I think you did say um, a word earlier that I thought was really funny, but I'm sure I say it's, I'm not even sure what word it was. I think I'm, you said arena and you said arena. Oh, fudge. <laughs> and I was like, I can't arena? wait to listen back to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, mad props to one in 10. That was super oh, yeah. awesome I'm that so Nate came that, on with us. Yeah. It's a great organization. I hope everybody goes out and looks into it and uh, maybe yeah. it strikes a chord with you and you want to volunteer, donate somehow yeah. or just follow them on Instagram at one in 10. Yeah. I think that's their <laughs> handle. It, it is. It's, I think it's just O N E N T E N one in 10. Yeah. And so, yeah, follow them at the very least. Uh, if not, there's a lot of opportunities to get involved as well. So yes. thanks so much for joining us this week on this uh, episode. We hope you learned. Uh, uh, I definitely learned a lot of things as well. Yeah. No matter your pronoun, um, I'm wishing you an amazing rest of your week. Mm-hmm. And uh, while you're at it with following one in 10, if you're not already following us, please follow us at the main dish podcast on Instagram. Uh, soon to be the main dish podcast on Facebook, but you either way, if you type in the main dish pod, you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and our website at www.themaindishpodcast.com. As always, thank you so much for joining us. (laughs) We will chat with you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. Oh, and I love you too.